this going to work? Well, good morning, everybody. Merry Christmas. Good to see you all here. We're so glad you're here on the day before Christmas, especially those of you who are here visiting with us. It's really great to have you with us. Love having a choir. I haven't seen a choir in years, probably. You guys are fantastic. Thank you uh, for doing that. I love these days where we do things so, so differently. It's wonderful. Well, let me pray real quick, and we're going to jump into God's Word. Father God, thank you again for this day. Thank you for what this time represents, um, the birth of uh, your son. And as we talk about that this morning, God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would lead and guide in the words that we um, meditate on, that we talk about, and we think about. And may, God, this message be something that is sent by your Holy Spirit, not of my words, but of you, God. We're grateful for your word, how powerful it is, and how um, amazing things that it does in our lives. So help us, God, to understand it better today. In your son's name, amen. Well, this morning, I, decided, I brought something that is very special to me. I know you're thinking, Rob, you're weird. It's just a flashlight. But this was given to me by a, a friend of mine who's a retired San Francisco police officer, not, not Gary Kong, but someone else. He, he's got way too many possessions that he wouldn't get. He's, that's a whole other story and sermon. But um, I love this flashlight because really about something about this flashlight, I've owned tons of flashlights in my life, but this flashlight is really, really cool because it's super, it's, I won't shine it at you, but it's super powerful, you know, it does all sorts of fun, you know, it's really powerful. It's one of those, I don't know what they call it, what kind of light. It, it, LED or whatever it is. All I know is it is super, super powerful, and it's really compact. It's, it shines like any big, gigantic flashlight would do. So when things are dark and when I need to find something, I grab this bad boy, and it usually always helps me out in my situation I'm in. Well, I brought that because, in a way, what a flashlight does is it helps us to see the truth about our surroundings, because what it can do is really it can remove the, some of the misconceptions that we, ha- that we might have about our surroundings, uh, misconceptions uh, being views or opinions or really incorrect ways of thinking because of faulty understanding about what's going on. Like examples, when you're a kid, remember when you're a kid and your room is dark and you're thinking, oh my gosh, what, I was, first of all, I was really afraid of the dark. For years, afraid of the dark. So I remember being in it anytime I was in a dark room and there was a dark closet, wondering what might be there. Remember that when you were a kid, the boogeyman, or remembering things that just might be there, what might be there. So I would turn on a flashlight, I could turn on a flashlight, and what the flashlight would do, it, was a, it would take away the misconceptions about, oh, okay, nothing's there, nothing's going to harm me, so it's going to be okay. Or for example, say like, well, have you ever, have you been in like, a, as an adult, you're in a darkened, kind of darkened room, and all of a sudden so you start to freak out because you think there's something, somebody over in the corner, and you can't quite tell what that is. And it's kind of freaking you out a little bit until you turn on light and what it is, it's actually just like a coat hanging up or just something in there. Anybody ever have that happen before? And what the light does, like I said, what it does, it takes away any misconceptions that we might have about things around us. Well, the verses that Kathy uh, just read, besides being great Christmas passage, really function really like a flashlight, a powerful flashlight or a light that really contains the vital truth about who Jesus is. And what these verses do is they really clear up, in my view, and many others, some misconceptions that there are out there about who Jesus really is. You see, although many people and many religions acknowledge Jesus, you'll find that you talk to so many people, they say, yeah, I believe that Jesus existed. 
I believe that he was around. But they recognize how his impact and all those things, and there's, but there's many misconceptions about who Jesus is. Many people think they understand who Jesus is. It's important, really what's important is to understand is it's important for us to understand who the Jesus of the Bible is versus the Jesus that other people or people or other religions might believe. There's sometimes there's a huge difference a lot of times. And that's what these passages do that we're going to look at. Now, you can follow along a little bit on the paper, but I'm also going to have some slides up, up there also. But really the key verse of all this is one of my favorite, one of my favorite verses in the Bible is verse 14. Verse 14 where it says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory. Glory is of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. Eugene Peterson, who I really like to quote, he did, a, I think he really captures the essence of this verse in his modern day translation of the, of the message. Look what he says. He says, the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. We saw the glory with our own eyes, the one of a kind glory like father, like son, generous inside and out, true from start to finish. I love that. That gives us a great picture because, you guys, that is what Christmas is all about. That verse right there totally encapsulates Christmas. God came into the world, born of a virgin, in the person of Jesus Christ. So this morning, what I want to do is take a really brief, I know we got the kids in here this morning, and that's, if, listen, if kids get a little restless and all that, that's totally fine. And if we cry, whatever, adults don't cry. But if the kids, unless you're really moved, go ahead. Um, but yeah, just, just feel free, we're going to be not too long this morning. But what I want to do is take a brief time to look at four truths about Jesus this word made flesh. And then I want us to look real briefly at two different responses that each of us might give to this. So let's go through these real quick. The first truth we see, and I've even put them on the bottom of your piece of paper there. The first truth that we see is that Jesus is God from the beginning. Remember, these are truths that illuminate. Hopefully these are truths for some of you that will dispel some of the misconceptions you might have about him. Look at verses one and two. Verses one and two say, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God. And the word was God, and he was in the beginning with God. Now what this means, what he's saying in the beginning, what this refers to is when heaven and earth were created. Remember the first verse in the whole Bible says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now this doesn't mean that Jesus had a beginning. What it means is before he became flesh, he was always with God from eternity. Jesus pre-existed with the Father before creation, before time even began. Jesus himself, even when he's prayed, he prayed this prayer in John. He said, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory, check it out, that I had before the world existed. So Jesus is God from the beginning of time. Many religions and many people will say, I believe in Jesus, but they don't necessarily believe that he's been around forever as God. 
And the Bible clearly, clearly states that. That's the first one. The second truth is also found in these first two verses. And what they tell us is that Jesus is God's expression of himself to us. And I love this point. It's his, God's, the way God has expressed himself. Look at first, look, you see, you can look at those yourself, those verses again. It says, the word. Now this word, this thing, the word, really this is actually a title for Jesus, okay? This is the title for Jesus and it emphasizes, it emphasizes his deity and it emphasizes the communication that there is between who God is and what he is like. You see, Jesus and the Father are both God. Two persons, one God. This is part of the truth that we know as the, as the Trinity, and according to verse 18, and you can look at that yourself, according to verse 18, because Jesus is God, really, he's really the only person that thoroughly knows God well enough to help us to understand who God is, to explain God to us, to help us to reflect the mind of God. Jesus is the only one that can do that. Quite literally, Jesus is everything. Now, get this. Jesus is everything that God wants to communicate about himself to us. Everything God wants us to know about him, Jesus communicates that. Simply, if you want to know what God is like, if anybody ever asks you, what's God like? Oh, how do I know what God is like? What do we tell him? Look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. Okay, Colossians chapter 2 verse 9 says this, for in him, referring to Jesus, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. See, a lot of times people think there's God, then there's Jesus, his son down here. No, Jesus is God. You want to know God? Know Jesus. It's really, it seems complicated, but it's really that simple. I took my, um, I took our, our grandson to go see Bethlehem AD on Thursday night. We've been announcing that. And those of you who didn't go completely missed out on something amazing. It was, got to watch Paul do his little pottery thing. It was awesome. And Carrie was at the end lovingly handing out stuff. It was just wonderful. And I found myself going, okay, I've been to all sorts of Christian things throughout my life. I found myself walking through this, enjoying, you know, there's animal. By the way, there was just a, thousands of people. It was crazy. But we're doing, you know, there's angels, I found, there was angels, and my, my grandson, I'm holding my grandson, and I found, I was, I kept on looking at him, because his, he would just get mesmerized. He saw this, there's a building across the street from Bethlehem AD, and there's all these angels lit up on the top, doing these dancing things. I'm, at first I'm thinking, oh, that's cool, that's to help people understand where to go and all that. But then all of a sudden it started to hit me that they were proclaiming the greatness of God. And I saw my grandson, my grandson, just enthralled. He, the Roman soldiers scared the crud out of him. I got to tell you that. They, they would march through, look at him like this. And he's like, ah! he freaked him out a little bit. But the best part, by far the best part, after going through all this thing, seeing Paul do his pottery thing and all the bread making, tons of animals, you get to the end and there's, just, there's, there's the manger scene, Okay. And then up on top are all these people, they're angels, and it's this choreographed dancing that they're doing to worship music. 
And I'm sitting there, I'm thinking, this is, this is wonderful, this is lovely, all that. But my oldest son was holding my grandson, and I watched my, his eyes, you know, because his parents are always talking to him about Jesus. He's all, he likes to talk about Jesus. And then I'm thinking in my head, I'm thinking, I'm wondering if he's making the connection. Because he was just, he could not take his eyes off the angel and then the little baby that was there. He kept on staring and asking you about the baby. And I was getting choked up. Choked up at the whole scene, choked up at watching my grandson who's been, t- been told about Jesus. I wonder if he's thinking to himself, oh, this is what they've been talking about. I get it. And I found myself, like I said, getting myself choked up and realizing, you know what? There was no thing of like, okay, here's Jesus in the manger and here's all the angels. That's cool. But then there's God over here. No, it was all focused on that baby. The angels above were giving glory to that little baby. I think my, grand, my three-year-old grandson kind of got it. I think he kind of did. That that, it was all about that. That was amazing to me, just amazing. And that's what he's talking about here. You want to know God? You want to know the God of the universe that created everything, the all-powerful God? Look to Jesus. He is the embodiment of who he is. Okay, third truth. The third truth about Jesus that we see here is that he is the creator of all things. Look at verse three. It says, all things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made. What this verse does, it tells us very clearly that not only was Jesus not created, which other religions that say Jesus was wonderful, but they'll say he was created. He was not created. He came in the form of a baby, but he has always existed. It tells us that, but it tells us that nothing, he, everything was created by him, by Jesus. Look at what the Apostle Paul in the book of Colossians says on the verse up there. Colossians, he says about Jesus, he says, For by him, by Jesus, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible Invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authority, some things, all things, were created through him and for him. Are you getting the, are you kind of getting the feeling that it's all about Jesus? Are you kind of getting that feeling? And it's not just because it's Christmas time. Let me tell you, folks, it's all about Jesus. It really is. It's all about, it's not about religion. It's not about that denomination versus this denomination. It's about Jesus. All of it. Okay? Fourth truth, last one. Jesus is the light. He is the life, light and life we all need. Look at verses four and five. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. What we see in these verses, what they're telling us is that the one who has always existed, who has always been around as God, Jesus alone is the provider. He's the only true provider of spiritual life. Now, we live in a very, very spiritual society, don't we? I'm not, I didn't say Christian, did I? I said spiritual. People are searching for spirituality in so many ways. I mean, we could list all the different ways that people are trying to connect with the spiritual. 
What, we're, what these verses tell us here is the one who existed from all time, Jesus is alone, alone is the provider of true spiritual truth. Later, John says this in, in 1 John, later on he says, and this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life and this life is in his son. Also, even later, Jesus himself says this, I am the light of the world. I am the light for whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. It all comes from Jesus. Now, unfortunately, instead of embracing this light and this life as something to be treasured and wonderful and sought after like crazy, really, mankind, we have failed to see the great value in this. We've truly failed. What verses, what verses four and five do is highlight really two overwhelming problems that humanity faces, okay? Two huge problems. We're spiritually dead and we are spiritually blind. We're spiritually dead, therefore spiritually blind. Blind, And in these verses, John is, John is saying that Jesus, he is the only remedy for this. You can search, you can get spiritual on so many different religions. You can find connections, so many things. I just sent someone an article the other day about this, about a, a thing that's happening down by Big Sur areas. Big Sur area, something like that, where it's this thing where the rich, phenomenally rich, successful Silicon Valley executives who have reached the top, hit the glass ceiling and kind of gone, this is it. And they've kind of gone, this is my contribution to mankind. And what are they wanting to do? They're wanting to connect to the spiritual. And these are the top people. So they're paying big money to go down and stay on the coast and in find different ways to connect to the spiritual. All these different ways that they can do it. Crazy, funky ways, some that make sense to the world, some are like new, all these different things. They're trying desperately to connect. And that's what Jesus, that's what this verse is saying in here in John. He's telling us people have missed it. They've completely missed it. That Jesus is the only remedy. Now I know that sounds narrow-minded and people are gonna call you narrow-minded for holding that stance. And if the truth is narrow-minded, then it's narrow-minded. It is the truth. This verse is in here, but the Bible says you will know the truth, and the truth will do what? It'll set you free. But the enemy of this world is blinded everybody to think that the, that narrow truth actually is a prison. I can't have fun. I can't be who I want to be. I can't be free. Oh my gosh, are you kidding? We do not realize the prison we live in without Jesus. You don't understand the prison you live in without Jesus until you have Jesus and look back and you go, wow, that was prison. I thought it was awesome. I thought it was wonderful. I thought it was all good, but that was actually a prison because I was blind. That's what he's saying here, that he's the only He's the only substitute. He's the only way to know. And these verses are saying he's the only remedy and that what we need, he's the light that we need and he's the life that we need. You see, just like this flashlight, just like a flashlight enables us to see clearly the reality of the things around us and our surroundings, the, the life that Jesus gives us 
When we give him our lives, when we submit to, as we've been talking in in these last few months here, we submit to his reign and to his rule in our lives. Only that gives us the ability to really understand things spiritually. You might have gone to church all your life, but if you have not given Jesus the complete reign of your, and in um, control of your heart and of your mind and of your life, you're still what the Bible calls spiritually living in spiritual darkness, even though you've been to church and you know a ton of the Bible. Because Jesus hasn't been allowed to penetrate your entire lives. And just a couple chapters later on, Jesus even says this. He even says, unless a person, one is born again, that's a loaded term, isn't it? One is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. What he's saying here is something has to happen for someone to actually have spiritual sight. You don't just go to a conference and go, I get it. That makes perfect sense. No, something has to change. That's what he's saying here. Being born again, what it really, all it is, it's an act of God whereby true spiritual life, eternal life, is imparted to the person who believes in Jesus. I know that there's a lot of baggage that comes along with that term born again, But that's what it means. It's God imparting his life, this eternal spiritual life into a person who simply just says, I believe. I believe. All right. So what are the two, what are two responses that we can have here? Because really we're seeing here is only in Jesus can be found a spiritual life that really enables us to take the spiritual blinders off. But even more than that, to understand why the heck am I here? What is the purpose of all this life? What's the purpose of having to deal with all this peer pressure and all this different stuff? And what am I here for? How are we supposed to respond? How do we deal with that? Well, really, the reality is that there's really only two responses that a person might have. There's only two. The first one is described, actually, in verses 10 and 11. Look at this, where it says, He was in the world... And the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. What these verses describe is a response of unwillingness to acknowledge or to completely accept the truth about who Jesus is. It's saying, if so, it's, like, it's like if you're sitting there saying, you know what, I don't know Jesus, And I really have no desire to receive what he has for me. That's what he's saying here. First of all, you need to know that if this is your response today, you are free to have that response. You are loved. You are welcome here. That is completely fine. But I got to tell you, this is a dangerous response. Because in refusing to accept the truth about Jesus, the Bible says that you are choosing to remain in spiritual darkness. When you say no to Jesus, you say yes to be in spiritual darkness, no matter how much you search for spirituality. What it means that you're blind to the impact of your sin and to God's truth and, the, and you're more susceptible to the lies of this world, including being unable to understand the amazing reason, the truth concerning why you're here and what life is all about. Really, I want to plead with you 
as we end here, I want to plead with you to consider this second response here. And it's found in verses 12 and 13. Look what it says. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. The response described in these verses is to receive and believe the truth about who Jesus is. Receive and believe the truth about who Jesus is. To receive God's gift of salvation that is offered by believing that Jesus loves you, that he came, that he died, that he rose from the dead, providing you with complete forgiveness of all your transgressions, of all your sins, and to provide you with eternal life. Let me ask you, if you have never made this decision, if you have never done this, let me, let me implore you to make this your best Christmas ever. Make this the best possible Christmas you could ever have by making a decision to receive and believe, okay? Receive and believe in him. And for those of us that have responded by receiving and believing, the word made, this word made flesh, really, let's take time some time tonight, maybe, do you, however you do your Christmas Eve celebration, and then tomorrow, let's take some time to truly reflect on the truth of who Jesus is and the grace. What grace means literally just means unmerited favor, favor that we don't deserve. Take some time to reflect on that undeserved favor that we now experience from God the Father because of who Jesus is, because it's all about Jesus. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for what tomorrow represents when the word became flesh, when God, you came down in the form of your son. Your son came down in the form of a baby for us to love us to allow us to be able to experience an intimate relationship with the creator of the universe. God, thank you so much for that. I just want to do something. Everybody, I want everybody here just to close their, keep their eyes closed. Everybody here, just close your eyes. I'm not going to call out anybody on anything. This is a personal time. If you know Jesus, I just want to give you a second to just reflect on that grace, that incredible unmerited favor that you have from him. And for those of you that might be in here that might not have ever given your life to Jesus, this the truth of who he is, the creator of everything, God. You've never, you've said in the past, you've always said, I don't believe. But if you, maybe there's a possibility that you might want to believe this morning to start a new, this new life. Everybody's got their eyes closed. I just want you to pray this prayer in your heart to yourself just be quietly to yourself. Something like this, Lord Jesus, for too long, I've kept you out of my life. I know that I'm a sinner, that I cannot save myself. No longer will I choose to close the door when I hear you knocking by faith. I gratefully receive your gift of salvation today. I am ready to trust you as my Lord and Savior. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for coming to earth. I believe you are the son of God who died on the cross for my sins, 
rose from the dead on the third day. Thank you for bearing my sins and giving me the gift of eternal life. I believe that your word is true. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus, and be my savior. Amen. Let me encourage you, if there's anybody in this room that was the first time you ever did that, I just want to encourage you to talk to somebody that you know that maybe has done that before. Come and talk to me afterwards. There'll be people to pray with after the service. Um, just want to encourage you to do that. Let's.